Did y'all notice the spring in my step this morning? Huh? My old tennis shoes sounded like an army when they were walking. You got tennis shoes that you lift your foot and the sole comes later. And so my wife told me to go buy something. I said I needed new tennis shoes and my grandchildren informed me I needed new kicks. So I, I guess, see, see, they're nice, aren't they? I went into the store and I liked a pair and this lady was helping me. And we tried them on and I told her, man, I love those shoes. She said, they look good on you. And uh, I said, yeah, but they're tight. She said, well, pull the tongue out and they'll be, feel loose. So I said to her, I pull the tongue out, but they still don't fit. I've got a thousand of them. Y'all keep coming back, okay? Let's talk about making minors majors. You ever find yourself doing that? Something little happened, and by the time you're through with it, it's a mountain you can't climb. It's kind of like the children of Israel. Uh, I've often, as I've read through these passages, and I've heard people being critical of Israel, and I'm thinking, how can we be critical of Israel when if a book were to be written about our lives, it would probably look like the same thing. They have gone through the Red Sea. You know, they got to the Red Sea, saw the water, saw Pharaoh's army, and then they began to whine and grumble. Oh, if you just left us, we told you we'd wanted to stay where you were at. Well, that kind of attitude, negative, grumbly attitude, set the tone for the next 40 years as they wandered and a whole generation died off and never experienced the promised land. I want to define some words that I'm going to use this morning. The first one is grumbled. Grumble means to murmur or mutter in discontent and complain sullenly. Muttering is like, mm, 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 mm. and you get a group of people together and you say, mm, 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 mm. they'll look at you and, mm, 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 mm. and you kind of get that sullen look on your face. You know, you're upset. That's grumbled. How about quarreled? Quarreled is an angry dispute or an altercation. To disagree angrily that can lead to a break in fellowship. Quarreling will always follow grumbling. And the next problem that we have, that produces in us anxiety. We become anxious. And that's a mental distress because of the fear or danger of misfortune. But what we're anxious about is something that we really don't know the outcome. Because we have grumbled, because we have quarreled, now we're anxious. We, we don't really know what's going on. We don't really know what's going to happen, but we get very anxious. We're, we're afraid. Uh, a friend of mine was telling me that they're just very anxious now uh, because when they, every time they turn the news on, it just causes their anxiety to, to go up. And I said, I'm going to save you $50. You won't even have to go to the doctor. What you do is don't turn on the news. I mean, really and truly. 
Uh, I thought I'd never say this. I, I read, I used to read three to four newspapers a day and catch up. I don't watch or read anything. I have Roku TV. I watch English murder mysteries, detective stories, and I watch it when I want to, turn it off when I want to, and, and I figure out that whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So there is a cure for this anxiousness, and we're going to see. But first, we're going to see what in the world happened. In Exodus 15, chapter 15, verses 22 through 24, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. They've got through it. Let me pause here. Just keep that up here. They've gone through the Red Sea. But prior to Moses moving them out, they kind of had a praise and worship service on the other side of the Red Sea. Uh, First verses, first 21 verses of uh, chapter 15 is a song that Moses wrote. I don't know how many of you realize that Moses wrote some of the Psalms. And this is included in one of the Psalms. But it, and what that song was about, they recounted the victory of God, the victory over Pharaoh and his army. And I, the last page was, the Lord will reign forever and ever. It's kind of like coming on Tuesday, you leave pump, you come Saturday or Sunday, you get in a worship service, you hear the music, you hear the word of God and you're pumped and you're ready. And then you go out and get in your car and start home. Something seems to happen. Well, something seemed to happen from the time of the Lord reigns to now. And they went into the wilderness of Shur. Then they went three days into the wilderness and they found no water. But when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah or bitterness. The people were thirsty. They'd just gone through a lot of water, but they were thirsty. And so they get to this place. No doubt it was marked on the maps as a place of watering. But the water there was very, very bitter. In fact, today, if you go to that same body of water, it's still a brackish color and it will turn your lips inside out. It's not drinkable. And so as they begin to want water, instead of praying or asking Moses, what are we going to do? What did they do? They grumbled. We don't have any wonder. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Uh, have you ever been around a group of people and you're going to go on a trip and you get to the trip and you start going and every little thing that happens, it's like, oh my goodness, I should have stayed home. Why did this happen? And, and the whole place trip is like that. This is the way it's beginning. They grumbled against Moses. Now their grumble was not against Moses primarily because they knew that God was leading them through the cloud and a pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. What was going on here is in reality, the people were grumbling against God. But yet they, they could not see God and there was Moses, their leader. Well, God had a response to that, beginning in verse 25. He cried to the Lord. He is Moses. 
cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water. And the water became sweet. Therefore, the Lord made them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do, listen and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. You ever got mad about something and drove three miles (laughs) and there's what you were mad about? This is, I want you to get into the setting. They needed water, so they just grumbled to Moses. The Lord came back at him and he said some, uh, he said some things to him. He said, I'm going to put a statute before you, which means here is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to listen. I want you to do all that I say. And he said to them, I'm going to test you. This is going to be a time of testing. Do you trust me? And you see at the very height of grumbling, quarreling, and anxiety is a a lack of trust. And usually what is in the heart of that person who is grumbly all the time or quarrelsome, nothing makes them happy, always needing something, what usually is the heart of that is two things. Number one is bitterness and the other is unforgiveness. When you carry bitterness in your heart against anyone or anything, when you have an unforgiving nature, you know the old saying we say, I'll forgive you, but I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna forget. That's not forgiveness, folks. At the height of a person whose spirit is constantly churning and disrest and, and, and grumbling, is the fact that inside them is full of bitterness and full of unforgiveness. What are they bitter about? Go back to the other side of the Red Sea. They said to Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Didn't we tell you we wanted to stay and serve the Egyptians? That was the statement they made because they saw water, they saw Pharaoh's army, And they completely forgot the ten plagues that God brought on Egypt. And most of those plagues never touched Israel. They were quick to forget and quick to speak. So what happened on the other side was not taken care of. There was zero repentance. God, forgive me for thinking we were just going to drown or you brought us in the desert to die. No. They held on to that bitterness against both God and Moses. I'll tell you something, what they should have seen. There's no such tree that you can throw into a bitter stream of water, a murky stream of water, and make it pure. What these people saw was a miracle of God. And here's what that miracle of God said to them. God is willing and able to look after his people 
even in hostile environments. That was a large statement to them. I have the ability. I have the willingness. Don't worry about a hostile environment. I can take care of you. Did they learn their lesson there? Well, let's travel on. Exodus 16. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month, this means they've been traveling 30 days. After they had departed from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation, the whole congregation of people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full. Can you see where they're going? I want you to see this morning that even what we call an off-handed word. If that's not taken care of in repentance before God, you begin to fill the silo with bitterness, unforgiveness, discontent. That will cause you to constantly, always see the worst, fear the worst, and live in the world of anxiety. They grumbled. They needed bread. What was God's? Response. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you and the people. Shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them. You remember what he had said? I'm going to set a statue up and I'm going to test you. He's wanting to test these people. Listen, a test brings out the very best of you. We, we fear tests because we're afraid we won't pass the test. And we, we spend so much time in fear we won't pass the test that we simply don't pay attention and arm ourselves with the truth that we need. And if you spent the time you were worrying and studying, you passed the test. And mere obedience in this way was pass the test. But they did that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And on the sixth day, when they prepared what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Note the sixth day. The next day was the Sabbath day. They were not to gather. This looks forward down to the time of the seventh year of Jubilee. This is when they planted no crops. They let the land have rest, refurbish its fertility. And they were depending on their faithfulness in the first six years as they planted, as they saved. And in that year, God had ordained they could go a year without plowing the land so that the land could rest. One of the reasons the children of Israel went into captivity because they failed on the Sabbath and they failed on that seventh year. Here he's setting it up. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what we are, that for what are we that you grumble against us? In other words, Moses said, when the Lord gives you the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against me, us, Aaron and Moses, but against the Lord. Moses hits the nail on the head. They were, remember, we had meat pots and we could eat bread to the full. Now, nowhere really was it ever recorded that the slaves of Egypt, particularly the Israel people, Israelite people, they didn't have meat pots. They may have gotten an occasional piece, but what their, their food was simply bread and water. But as they began to look at the past, the past became brighter than the future that laid before them. How many times when you tell a story about the past, it gets better? I remember the night in a football game, I, I made an eight-yard game. And that became, after 50 years, 100 yards. And because the people that remember, they were so old like me, they forgot. So nobody really knew. And so you could just get together and have all kinds of stories. Everybody would be happy. You celebrate and you go home. Basically, that's where they were living. They were still eat up with bitterness and unforgiveness. Now, what the Lord did is in the evening, he brought quail and they had their meat. And in the morning, they had their bread. And so when, when God said, in the morning, you'll see my glory. And in the evening, you'll know that I am your God. You see, you cannot blame God for not encouraging them, for not showing himself. I hear people all the time talk about, you know, God doesn't really show himself to me. Listen, God proves himself to us every day for everyone that wants to hear. He's proving himself. We're not seeing it because we are turned inward instead of outward and upward to God. Exodus 17. And the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by the, by stages. They had to do this. We're talking about nearly too many people, two million people, according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Riphidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people now, they're not grumbling. They're quarreling. They're mad. I can hear them say, this is the second time we don't have any water. I mean, just get real indignant with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Not very much of a prayerful attitude, is it? Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? i tell you why he said that. God doesn't need any testing. God has always proven himself by being who he said he was. And the one time in scripture that I can recall, he says to us, you try me. You test me. I think he was very indignant. It's found in the book of Malachi. 
The temple was going without the the tithes and the offerings that it needed to function as a temple. There was nothing there for sacrifices. And God said to them, you test me, you try me, you prove me and see. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out an abundance on you that you cannot contain. Listen. God was challenging them and their unbelief. The remarkable thing about after that passage of scripture is there was over 400 years of silence before anyone heard another word from the Lord. God went silent on them. He withdrew himself and that nation foundered. The next word they heard from God was a rugged looking creature. My grandmother would have called him a woolly booger that come out of the wilderness shouting, prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist, the forerunner of one who would come. I just put that in. That's another freebie for you. I like to give you things every week. What was God's response to this? Moses cried to the Lord. This crying is not a whine. This is literally to beseech heavenly in prayer. See, the people are griping and demanding. Moses is beseeching the Lord on behalf of the people. What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders. When he set this up, the people are there. They're waiting on Moses. And God said, I want you to take that staff that you had and you and the elders pass, walk in front of the people. And so he did. And what God was doing, he was saying to the people, these are your anointed leaders by me, by God himself. Listen to your leaders, follow your leaders, pray for your leaders. God was establishing and reestablishing the authority of Moses. Taking your hand, the staff in which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you <laughs> there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the water rock and water shall come out and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa, which is testing and Meribah, which is grumbling because of the quarreling of the people of Israel. And because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? He may recognize himself, recognize situations. You see, when I have, tell, have people tell me this is an old book that was written in B.C., it amazes me because when I read the book, I see 2021, 20, 2022. If I live to 2023, 20, I'll see the Word of God because it is fresh. Now, folks, listen. Some of you are probably saying, well, listen, I already have my house. It's paid off. I'm not trying to conquer any land. I'm retired. 
And I just want to sit back, put it on cruise control, get my TV remote, and get Mama to make me some coffee. But you see, that's not what life is. Every day when you get up, life is a struggle. Because every day before you get up, the forces of Satan and the demons of this world have not gone to bed. They are continually working in this world. And we have, over the generations, bred a Christian community that has gone weak. You know, we talk about the great generation, and it was a great generation that fought those world wars. And we wonder, where is that generation gone? My question is, where is the church of that generation? Where are the people that made up the body of Christ? Where were the people that did not give in, that did not cry out, did not give up? We're living in a time when the slightest thing causes us to stop in our tracks. And the problem is we are focusing on the uh, environment around us. We're focusing on certain circumstances. When the Lord God said to us, we are to live our life in Christ focusing on him. Our focus is on Jesus. Now, you know, some wag came along and said some people are so heavily minded they're not any worthly good and you know i've seen bumper stickers on that but i'm telling you something that doesn't mean if you're heavily minded you're walking around with your head up in the air it's that you know you're an alien in this world this isn't home this isn't eternity this is just somewhere we are trying this is our wilderness To see if we will take hold of the gift that God has given us through Christ, which is heaven himself. Now, some have said this is Moses talking. Well, I'm not going to bring it on screen, but if you go to the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew and part of the greatest message that ever preached, Jesus talked about anxiety. He said, why are you worrying about what you eat? Why are you worrying about how long you're going to live? How you going, while you're worrying about what the clothes you put on your body. And he said, notice the herb, the birds of the air. They don't fret. They don't worry. They're birds and they act like birds. They know their father will provide them the food, the water, the shelter. He has clothed them in colors that an artist could not render. He said, look at the lilies of the field and the splendor of that bloom. Solomon and all his glory could not match the lilies of the field. The lilies of the field are doing what lilies of the field do. They simply grow out, blossom and bloom and grow to praise, bring honor and glory. God said that you worry, you want to about how long you're going to live. I had an aunt. Now, from the time I met her, I think she was in her 30s, she had a heart attack about every week. No, I'm serious, every week. We get the call, Hilda's in the hospital. Daddy'd say, well, I wonder if it's real this time. And we'd go to the hospital. Any new disease that came out, she went to the hospital. She had it. She died at 51 with a great heart. In fact, they did an autopsy. She's in perfect health. What killed her was her mind, worry, anxiety, worrying, can I have enough? Worrying, will I get there? Worrying, what will happen? When you spend your life worrying, 
you cut your life short. And the most important thing you do is you dishonor God. Listen, remember when I said God is willing and able to look after his people in a hostile environment? Do you realize we're living in a hostile environment? Uh, Have you got that across? God is still willing. He is still able if we will listen and do. But when we quit, God can't help us. Because he's going to wait on you to stand up. Then he'll give you the strength. Jesus said, don't worry about all these things. Unbelievers worry about them. He said, here's the answer. Seek first the reign and rule of Christ in your life. The first thing, the one thing on your mind, bring honor and glory to God. Allow God to reign in the life that he gave you. To rule in the life as he, that he gave you. As he guides you through a hostile environment going before and back on the sides and on top. God surrounds us with his hand. What he's waiting for is a Christian community that will wake up and realize there is nothing that can bring us harm unless God okays it from Satan. Remember the story of Job? Satan went in to talk to God. Let me have him. I'll get him. God said, okay, you can have him, but here's the parameters. The testing made Job a finer, fuller, a man more full of trust after he went through all that he did. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Folks, it's the little things in your life that are tricking you up. It's the little things in life that are driving you crazy. Solomon wrote something about it's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard when they're in bloom. And Song of Solomon 2.15. It's the little things that we turn into large things rather than turning little things over to God and let them become mountains that we step over. Listen, folks, that's not name it and claim it. That's the word of God. Did you know over 352 times? I think that's how many days in a year, right? God says, fear not. Do you think he really emphasized that? Now you listen, I'm not telling you I don't I don't have things that just kind of stop me. But then I look up. If this is where God wants me, this is what God wants me to do, this is what God wants me to give. Meg, bless her heart, she's worried for two weeks about this. Coming out on stage. It was a big deal for her. Because she likes to do things back. But she came out. She stretched herself. Meg will never be the same. She's already told me about it. <laughs> I'll never get over it. But she will be not the same. Let me ask you this. Very pointed question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? I mean, really. I'm not talking about historical Jesus, biblical Jesus. I'm talking about the Christ that went on the cross. And as Kitty saying, Oh, the blood. Shed blood for you and I. Do you really know him? Have you received that new life that he's given you? 
If you haven't, meet me right over here. We'll talk about it. Just as Josh met me over there three weeks ago. Josh is a new man. He's a new man because Christ made him new. Christian friend, let me ask you something. What is your relationship with God? Are you Moses who cries out in prayer? Are you, do you grumble? Do you quarrel? Do you spend your life in anxiety? If you want prayer over that, I'll be glad to pray with you. This is a come-together meeting for us all. Because the world's not going to get any better. But Jesus' promises are steadfast, sure, unperishable, and will not pass away. They're waiting for you. Become that new man in Christ. Walk in his ways. Father, I thank you for your word and just the encouragement of from reading them. And I pray now, Lord, that you would call to you those that you would have. And that, Lord, this would be a time, Lord, of commitment and recommitment to you. In Christ's name, amen.